Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Episode three of Three Off the Bench. There's only two subs allowed tonight, though. That's because Cam is uh, with a family obligation. So, you know, we'll try to make up for it, but he'll join us uh, before we know it later on. So it's just Josh and I. Josh is filled with opinions, I'm sure, as he always is. You ready to uh, dive into some some topics? Yeah, let me real quick. I'll be Cam here for the quick. Chelsea won 3 nothing. We're winning the league. It's not even going to be close. Yeah, I mean, Tottenham is not the benchmark they used to be, but still a 3-0 win early in the season, very big, um, that we can talk about a little more in depth later on. But we're going to start close to home. We talk about the Revs. Obviously, we're a local to the Revs. We want to be kind of be that little American soccer MLS podcast help out. Um, So the Revs tied against Columbus last night. Big uh, point for Columbus crew as they are battling for that sixth, seventh playoff spot right now. I think the point last night moves them up to ninth or 10th, one of the two. Um, So they're right on that cusp of a playoff berth. The Revs, on the other hand, again, concede a goal. And it was, I don't know, Josh, I'll ask your opinion. I was, it's one of those like bad goals that you really can't control. It was a great ball in from awful. Zardes puts a head on it and ball bounces around, ends up in the back of the net. Is this defense worrisome for you? So they've been better lately. Um, I feel like over the past few games, they've been better. Um, I uh, they're, they're a problem, especially last night when the finishing was so poor. I mean, the Revs dominated the game. The Revs, if you looked at a box score without looking at the actual score, you would think the Revs probably won three, four, nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, especially at the end when the crew goalie was down to one leg and they've, not been able to put a shot on target, but they're, they are a bit worrisome. Um, you and I were speaking before we got on here and, and you said, you know, I don't think they're going to win a lot of games, one nothing. Um, and I think you're right now. I think a lot of soccer people would look at that and say, that's not a recipe for, for success in the MLS. It's a little bit different because truth be told, it's just the brand of soccer, excuse me, isn't as high as maybe what you're used to watching in Europe where you have teams like, for example, a 2015 Leicester team that defends, 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 and then breaks and scores. That's not really how the MLS is. It's kind of more of an open league. Mm-hmm. Um, so is it worrisome? Yes. Do I think it, it's a deal breaker or, or an excuse that we can put on them? No, because I still think that is the center backs, especially are, are of a higher MLS quality. I just think they they've struggled at outside back for, for years now. We've seen Buchanan there. I think mm-hmm. it's, it's by, and I can't even think of the other kids. Dale and Jones on the other side. Yeah, it's Jones. And, yeah. And it's, they brought in some European guys over the past couple of years to try to play out there and they didn't work out. I, I'd like to see a little bit more of uh, Scotty Caldwell. I, I, he, he was a player who a few years ago, I thought was going to be a top MLS midfielder and it's not really panned out for him, but he gives you a good amount of defensive responsibility in front of that back line that he comes on in the 80th minute in the games they're winning all the time. Mm -hmm. So maybe, maybe in the playoffs, you, you have him on the field to start. Maybe uh, Tommy Mack is, is coming off the bench. If you need goals, We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. That's maybe that's the only really fix I could think of off the top of my head. It's it's a good point to bring up because 
you look at this team, they've invested a lot of money and equity in the front attacking players. And normally you say teams have a front three or a front four. The Revs try to play sort of like a front six almost with, obviously you've got books and bow up front. You got Buchanan and heel and the wingbacks bomb forward. And then even in the midfield, like Wilfred Captoum is a player that was in the Barcelona youth system and he comes from a high pedigree overseas, but he's more of an attacking player. And when you only play two real central midfielders and both of them want to get forward, especially when you play them with McNamara, you're not really helping your back line. And then you get put in situations where you get counterattacked. Now I fully understand that's what Bruce Arena is trying to do, right? He would rather win a game three to two than one, nothing with this team. And I, if it works, it works. But when you get into the playoffs, all of a sudden it's the 70th minute and you haven't scored yet. The everything just starts tightening up. Passes are sloppy. You can't put the ball on frame. And last night he, the goaltender could not move. No, could not move and still made, I think four saves in the last five minutes. It was, it was, it was something else. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a tough game. Um, But I mean, you have to look at the bigger picture. And again, I think, 90% 90% of the time when they play like that, they're winning, you know, they're mm-hmm. winning going away pretty easily. So it's not really a, the last night's game, whatever, throw it away. It is what it is. Um, let's see what they look like in, in 11 days or 10 days now. Cause last night was the start of four and 11 for them. I think they go tomorrow. They go. So Tuesday, was, sorry, Tuesday against Chicago, then Orlando, then Montreal. Yeah. So Orla- Orlando's the big one on Saturday. Um, I think that's at home, correct? And Orlando, yes. Orlando is in second place. Yeah. Uh, yes, they've kind of been falling off the rails. I think they've lost two of their last three. They got obliterated last night. Um, yeah. So Orlando's yeah. falling apart, but still, they where you got Nani and DK, you have talent on the field. Yeah, yeah, and and so Orlando, obviously, the Rebs beat them in the uh, playoffs last year, if I remember correctly. Mm. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's, it's a good barometer match. I know Orlando's not on good form, but I think it's a good match. I expect the similar team that to what you saw last night to be out there for Saturday, I would expect rotation for this upcoming Tuesday match. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Cause so like see- Chicago is, um, Chicago's down in 12th Montreal's fifth and actually last night Nashville won. So they jumped ahead on gold, um, they jumped ahead of Orlando up to second. Okay. Orlando's in third. So yeah. So th- this is this is a bit. So e- even still, um, and the Revs are, I think, far and away. I think they pretty much have the supporters shield, or at least the Eastern Conference wrapped up at this point. Mm-hmm. Supporters shield. I think they're they're pretty well and away with that as well. Um, you got to beat Chicago, and you should be able to beat Chicago with you know a sprinkling of your your B side in there. I would I would think. You'll, you'll see Teal Bunbury. Um, you'll see players like that probably start the match. And, you know, if you need to bring on whoever mm-hmm. to, um, to, to close it out, then you do that. But I, I would expect maybe you see Scotty Caldwell, like we just talked about, start that match. Cause uh, Tommy Mack, he's been on a, uh, he's started up the last handful of games and could probably use a, use one himself. So it's interesting to see who they show out on Tuesday it might be one of those situations where Bruce plays the same team and, you know, gets the, gets the points he knows he's going to get. I hope he doesn't do that, especially because Busca 
and Buchanan especially just played a bunch of international matches as well. So I think getting them a full week's rest uh, is important here. Um, and then, you know, kind of last closing thought on it, Andrew Farrell, I think it was what he is. He now leads the team all time in minutes and appearances and starts. 262. Yeah. So he, he leads the, the Revs in all three of the Ironman categories now. Um, which is a, a testament to when he was drafted because mm-hmm. he, he was, he was, he's not a homegrown player. He was drafted out of college and he, he, you know, he's been a right back. He's been a center back now for, for the last half of his career here. Um, a really a fantastic servant to the team. I don't think you can underestimate what he's meant to this team when they, they were good when he first got here then mm-hmm. they were really bad for the middle and now they're good again. Uh, and he's been here the whole time. And we, we've talked about the Revs line being a little bit unsteady at times this year. He's not really been the issue, though. He's mm-hmm. he's He does exactly what you expect. He's nothing flashy. He's nothing special. He's pretty much a no-nonsense defender at this point. But he's he's done a job really well for now eight-plus seasons, I think it is. Yeah, it's, it's phenomenal, right? You obviously, we all know how good Turner is and the shot-stopping ability, but when you pair him with a, a 21, 22-year-old in Kessler that is, he's either been dropped for someone else or he's off at international duty with the men, with the national team. Um, Farrell is just every there. He's probably the first or second name on the team sheet as long as he's healthy and not suspended. So um, it's it's just been a, a testament to what he can do, what he can bring in. Um, I mean, obviously, if he ever wanted to come on, we'd be more than glad to have him. But uh, I think no matter what we say about this team and this defense, Andrew Farrell is the consistent nature, Um, especially you look at his has to be positional based. I mean, he's not gifted with the 6'5", 250 frame, right? He's, I think, 5'11", 6 foot. He's quick as could be, but he has to play a positional game because he's not going to outjump some of these taller strikers. Yeah, yeah, I know. And he he really has been a, a really good story for the Revs that he, he's been here for this long. Um, and again, you know, we, we've talked about it a bunch. It, it's really, you know, say what you will about the defense, say what you will about this, that, whatever. It, it's really MLS cut for a bust for this team. I don't think yeah. we can reiterate that enough. Yep. So um, as we kind of look forward, we think the Revs should be fine going forward. But one thing that might change about them in this year of 2020-2021 MLS is teams want to rebrand. The crew just rebranded. Montreal, uh, sorry, CF Montreal, because it can't just be Montreal FC, um, rebranded. Chicago. Chicago. They've done it like four times, I feel like, in the last year. Um, The revs are rumored, and the rumors are getting stronger and stronger, of at least a logo rebrand. I'll, Josh, I'll let you get into it, but basically for those at home that can't see, it's basically like a Queens Park Rangers, but with an R instead of the whole QPR thing. It's a little flower with a cross through the R. It's very weird, but Josh, your thoughts. Yeah, so so you brought this to, atten- to my attention again. I was like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. And then I, I remembered when you showed me the logo that I had seen this in the off season and been like, please, like that's some kid drew that in art. Mm-hmm. I don't get, it's a, it's a terrible logo. It's absolutely atrocious. Um, the Ravs are, by the way, the only team, the original MLS team that have not rebranded. Mm-hmm. They've not done a logo change. Um, and it's a terrible logo. I'm, I'm okay with a rebranding, but it's a terrible, 
terrible logo. It makes no sense. It looks like an R with a like a, a like a like a do not enter sign around mm -hmm. it. Yeah. And it's like, no, Rev. It just it's awful. Um, it's a really bad logo. And you would think, um, I just and I can't help but feel, Matt, and maybe this is me be reaching that the rebrand is politically influenced based on the, what we've seen. Because for those of you who don't know, for those of you who are not big Revs, the Revs logo is more or less an American flag, but the stars part is a soccer ball. And then it's just the red, red and white stripes. It's an awesome logo if you think about it. It makes perfect sense for the, the name of the team. Um, I think the soccer ball has the stars is cool. It's a, it's a good logo. Um, it's not, I get, excuse me, it's not really a, this type of soccer excuse me, soccer logo that you would, you would see. We're very professional here yeah. um, at three yeah. off the bench. Um, it's not the typical soccer crest or logo, I guess, but it's, it's the Revs logo. And I've, I've always thought the Revs had a really good, smart logo. Now, if you told me they were switching it and it would be like a tri-corner hat with like maybe the team or, or um, you know, like, a, like a maybe like a, you know one of the old drums that they use to march or, or or even even a cannon like you know like which I think you know you're an Arsenal guy I don't think the, the cannon I think they get probably a lot of fodder uh, no pun intended for yeah for for stealing that from Arsenal because Arsenal's logo is so famous across the world mm -hmm. um, but it, the, this what they've come up with is bad it's really bad and I hope more or less. Um, craft, I, I do, I do want to mention this real quick is really, um, pushing to bring a 2026 world cup game to, uh, Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. Gotta have a soccer specific stadium. I hate to tell them. I don't think, I don't think they're going to get it unless there's a soccer specific stadium though. Could you, it's, yeah, it's a good point to bring up, right? It's that little extra push. I think the real thing right now is that's why they put down the new grass they just put in um, right before week one of the Patriots season. It's this super, it's fake grass, but it's supposed to be the realest fake grass that they can create. Woo! Um, <laughs> I, yeah, it's it's a whole thing. It held up during the Patriots game. So, I mean, hey, who knows? Um, especially then they brought them in on Monday. Um, but my big thing is a lot of these rebrands, right? So Columbus crew, they just, they dropped the crew part, right? That was in, in essence, people still call them the crew, but their logo and their brand, they're just Columbus right now, or Columbus FC. I forget which one it is. Um, Montreal used to be Montreal impact. Now they're CF Montreal. The revs aren't dropping the revolution part. So if you were dropping the revolution part from your name, maybe I'd understand this complete whatever redesign, but I don't really understand your logo if it's just an R because you're, you're just saying the first letter of your team name. Yeah. I mean, so the, these rebrands are at the end of the day, they're money driven, right? Cause you want to oh, yeah. sell, you want to sell new. I mean, we, we see this in Europe now every year, it's a big deal that these teams, if not every year, every other year are changing their, their design, Jersey designs. Mm -hmm. I mean, save for like your, your new castles, which has always just been the black and white stripes. And yeah, you know, you're always going to get the click by the way, <laughs> side note, can we get less claret and blue teams in England? They're all, did you see today's United West Ham game? Like, 
for a quick peek, you don't know which team's which. Like, well, it, it, yeah, I mean, well, that's the, the thing that's pissing me off about um, some of these top six teams recently are just they're they're away and third jerseys are just ridiculous and they make no sense for like, like that's one thing American sports gets right is the home jersey and the away jersey are just the reverse of each other mm-hmm. and it makes sense. Now, obviously, if you're a Southampton or Newcastle, you can't do that. But, you know, you could just go all black or all white or all red if you're, like, then you get, you like, you get United. in random pink jersey. Yeah, they got pink, they got black, and they get, like, zebra stripes at one point. Yeah. Um, Arsenal's gone out there in yellow. Um, I, they're yellow. Remember the yellow and brown shorts? That was, that was the, that was a look. It was like the Cleveland Browns of uh, English soccer. Yeah, they've their third kits have not been good. And, and to to be fair, some of some of the I, I really like Tottenham's third jersey this year, like the galaxy mm-hmm. looking thing, um, which is third. That's what third jerseys should be. But, but your regular home and away shouldn't. It's you your home, and then you have some sort of. So I'm a big thing of have your home be white and let the opposing team come in with a different color, so the fans can see a different color every week. But if you want to be the original. Your roads are white. Your home is whatever it is, and that's right. Correct. Yeah. What you have to you should be dark and light, and it should be one is for one, one is for the other. Yeah. Um. Like I think the NHL is the only American or North American sport where it's um, you wear the revs wear the revs wear dark at home though, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. But hockey is the only is the only sport where officially you're wearing dark at home and you're mm-hmm. wearing white on the road. Mm-hmm. Unless um, there's some other thing going on out there. Yeah. Third jerseys or whatever, but like, you know, the NFL, it's usually your whites at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, baseball, it's your, everyone's either white or gray for the most part. Maybe you get mm-hmm. black occasionally, but it's your whites at home. Mm-hmm. But Oh my God, the clear and blue thing in England kills me. You have Villa, you have West Ham, mm-hmm. you have Burnley. Mm-hmm. And that's just the premier league. I'm trying to think there's gotta be another one. Um, I don't think there is right now, but like, but and the thing is, you hear the announcer and they're like, oh yes, there comes Burnley and the famous Claret and Blue. Ah, oh, here comes West Ham and the famous Claret and here comes Villa and their Claret and it's not it's, fame, it's not original. Everyone's doing it. It's it's all the same, and, it, it, and it's not even like the colors on different parts of the jerseys. Mm-hmm. It's the sleeves are always cl- Claret and the front middles are always blue. Yep. It's. It's just slightly oh different shades. Yep. Yeah, slightly different shades. Maybe the designs are a little bit. Oh my god! That. But anyways, the Revs redesign sucks. So does Claret and Blue. Um, That's the really only what way Josh that, wanted to say. It was the Claret and Blue part. Yeah, the only. I thing mean, the Revs could, are red and blue. It's like the same thing. Yeah, but it's not. But like again, they wear they wear navy with white and red accents at home, and mm-hmm. they wear white with navy and red accents on the road. Mm-hmm. Simple, straightforward. Yeah. So, speaking of transitions to Premier League teams with Claret and Blue, we'll start on that case then with Arsenal playing at Burnley. Um, Arsenal finally gets another 1-0 win. It was a really good free kick from... Um, as apparently I have an air show going overhead. In my I was going to say, have you just had a plane crash into your neighborhood? No. Yeah, no. Apparently planes are really low in this area. I don't get it. Um, but so Arsenal, their second straight one, no victory. They are, I believe four points off of Europe now. That's how I'm wording it. Instead of saying they're in 13th, they are four points off of Europe. So, um, a one, no win is Josh, you and I were talking, 
you're supposed to beat these teams in the lower half, right? Is there any confidence this team can get from winning 1-0 in a tough-ish environment, even though it was at home, um, against the bottom-tier team? Uh, so, so this is the good news for Arsenal, right? You look around the rest of the Premier League, uh, United has been less than convincing. I mean, they lost to young boys in the middle of the week in Champions League. Mm-hmm. Um, City, it looks like they're in a bit of a malaise, but they kind of started last season in a malaise too. So let's see how long that, and they've got some injuries, but let's see what happens. Um, really, Chelsea and Liverpool only look like the, uh, the, the two only teams living up to their billing right now. Even Leicester, I think, have now lost a couple games. They lost to they Brighton don't... today. Brighton's a good team. I've talked about this on this show before. Brighton is a Brighton is a good team. I like Graham Potter as a manager. Mope is now taking his chances. Mm-hmm. Um, Brighton is a good team. Brighton is is a good is a good team, and they should be for they should be pushing for uh, Europa or Europa League too. I quite mm-hmm. honestly, I think with the way things stand right now, I think they're a good team. And if they get a striker in January, um, that will be. Although Mope has been good for now, but I think you know we'll see what happens in January. But anyways. Um, if you're an Arsenal fan, you take your six points in the last two weeks, but if you have to look at it a little bit more realistically and say, okay, well, we've beaten Norwich one, nothing. And they had, they had some chances. We've beaten Burnley one, nothing. And they should have been up one, nothing probably woods probably should have scored. Now, granted it was a, a C plus B minus opportunity in the grand scheme of things, but um, that's kind of how Burnley are still in the league is because he, Woods has taken those chances regularly. Mm-hmm. So you, you kind of look at it and you okay, all right, we beat Burnley and it took Odegaard with an absolutely brilliant free kick and we took Norwich and it kind of took us laboring ourselves to it. So yes, it's six point in the end of the day, it's two clean sheets, which I think is more important for Arsenal mm-hmm. because that back line looks to be getting their act together. Ben White's looked like the Ben White you spent too much money on. So that's, fair. that's good. And Arteta's job is, is it's funny, right? Because it sports is so result oriented. And at the end of the day, like we don't really look at how the results come as much as maybe we should. But if I'm as a soccer person, I'm looking at it and be like, they're still not good. Mm-hmm. There's still a worry that they're not a top half team because of how bad they've looked against better teams. Right. And this is me as an, I'm not an Arsenal guy, but, what, what do you think? What are, like, how does it feel for you? You're the Arsenal fan. So let me put it this way, right? There's the fan, the fan side of me. Like, so when I watch like the Bruins or I watch Penn State or I watch the Patriots, I'm very, like you said, I look at how the game went, right? If like last week, the Patriots in the NFL, if they had won, it would have been awful because there were four turnovers and it, it wasn't a good win. But if obviously they lost. But when I watch Arsenal, I sometimes like to just put myself away from that and just a win's a win. Like in when I watch Arsenal, it literally a win's a win and a loss is I'm upset. But I will say I still look at it and say Pepe should, as much money as he cost, statistically, he's better on the left and Saka's better on the right. When Bukayo Saka plays on the right, I believe it was he has eight goals and five assists over the last 18 months, whereas when he plays on the left, he has like no goals and two assists. 
when Pepe plays on the left, he actually gets creative and he can cross balls in and he doesn't try to dribble as much. And the fact that they only had three shots on target, I get that's how Burnley plays. And I'm not as upset with that because, like you said, when you play a Steve, a Sean Dyche team, they're going to be tough. They're going to be compact. And a one nothing win is usually good. But you got to beat Norwich 2 3 nothing if you have any aspirations of going to Europe. Yeah, I mean, well, and the fact that Watford have just put three in on them. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't feel – but it's kind of funny, right? So I, I look at soccer or football – and, you know, I've had, I've had the pleasure of over my playing career having played on a team with a person from, at least from every continent with human beings on it outside of Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, so not, no Antarctica, no Australia. But, you know, I've, I've played with people from the Middle East. I've played with people from, from Southeast Asia um, and, you know, Africa, Europe, um, Eastern Europe, you know, the subcon- all the subcontinents as well, mm-hmm. Central, South America. And it's kind of funny, right? Like in, in America, and I wonder if this is, this is a really American team because I don't really hear it much um, from, from people from across the world when it comes to soccer, is we, we like to say, oh, the sign of a good team is when they're not at their best, they win anyways. We say that in, in American sports all the time, right? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I know I say it about the Bruins and the Patriots. Like we would have we taken that well, like, you know, they're, they, well, they didn't play well, but they, they won. And that's mm-hmm. what good teams do. You don't really get that in, in Europe, right? You get, or, 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 or in soccer, I should say, you get, well, the team won. That, mm-hmm. That's it. They won. doesn't matter how they played. They won. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not, there seems to be a little bit of a different mentality, right? Like me and my, yeah. my ex-Framingham State friends talk about, um, and for those of you who don't know, that's where, that's where I, I played and captained for, for a few years in my college days. Um, or university for our European listeners. We went, that's why I went to university. Um, yeah. You know, the people, they're always like, uh, I would have been like, oh, well, Chelsea, play, like, because my friend Max is a huge Chelsea fan. He's from kind like, oh, Max, well, you won, but you played like shit. And he goes, yeah, but we like big smiles, but we won. Mm-hmm. So it, I don't know. It's kind of weird, right? Like, it's kind of weird that I feel like maybe soccer doesn't have that. And it's probably because it's the least American uh, sport that Americans play regularly. Um, like I, I would go, I would go back to to the U.S. versus Belgium in the last World Cup that the United States was in. Mm-hmm. No business being in that game, and yet we go back and we look at it. Oh, we should have won. Yeah, it's because- all of a sudden we're like, look at the goaltending. It didn't matter. Yeah, we lost, but like, look at all these chances we had. They're one of the best teams in the world. We were there. That was the American side of it. Whereas everyone else is like, yeah, but you lost and you yeah. got knocked out. Yeah, and we're like we're like we look at it and we should have. So we and then, but when the Bruins don't play well, mm-hmm. I and they lose, I say, well, they weren't, they didn't have it tonight. They weren't, they they didn't have it tonight. Whereas with the American team, I look, even the national team, I look at like the results they got in the last international window. I'm like, they didn't play well, but they should still win those games. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of it's. I don't know. I don't know if I'm making sense or I'm talking myself in circle, but you you get what I'm saying. Yeah, it's a very much all of a sudden you come to a different sport and each sport has a different mindset. And obviously we, as Americans, Americanize things completely out of proportion just because, well, that's what we have fun doing. And and you know what I think it is now I'm thinking about it. I think it's because in American sports, there's playoffs. So if you lose a regular season game or you don't play well and you win a regular season game, it's a lot easier. Like, "Eh, 
well, you know, they didn't have it tonight. Like, whatever. Like, fine. Because you just have Whereas, to be the top eight teams going into the yeah, finals. Exactly. Or exactly. It was like, you know, people, some people were trying to, Whereas in, in, in Europe and in, in soccer in general, and again, not even in American soccer, you have like the points are all that matters. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how you do it or how you get there. And it, the same goes for European qualification as it does for relegation, right? It doesn't matter how you get there as long as you get to where you're supposed to be. Like Burnley, perfect example, it doesn't matter how they stay up whether they're doing it scoring five goals a game or they're doing it allowing the opponent to score none, mm-hmm. as long as you stay up. If they're in 17th or higher come the end of that season, that's all they care. Like people people are looking back now at Liverpool's season last year, right? And the expectation was obviously to be a title contender. That didn't happen. But they're looking at it and saying, well, it doesn't matter because we qualified for Champions League. Yeah. And, and they, played, they were awful the whole middle stretch of the season. And people were killing him for it. But at the end of the day, everyone forgets because they still made Champions League. Exactly. So it, it, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of a, a weird dichotomy there, which, which is, I think, hard for a lot of Americans to get their heads around it. And why Arsenal losing to Brentford and Arsenal losing, was it Chelsea? Chelsea and City, yeah. Yeah. And that's why you look at those and you're like, you're it's not good because you need the points but now you look at these two games and now they, they didn't play well but mm-hmm. you got the same points so it doesn't it doesn't really matter yeah so as we kind of come towards the end here um we'll let josh kind of wrap up some of the things i i read about the southampton city game we talked about it we all you might have expected a little different i was really expecting city to put at least two or three past southampton as good as they've looked um and come away with the dub but they hold out nil-nil um, and not a lot of rotation either from Southampton, Josh. Uh, well, there's never any rotation because we have no other midfielders. Uh, we have Ibrahima Diallo, who's mm-hmm. okay. He's fine. Mm-hmm. You don't really ever want him on the field against City. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I, um, I'm very involved on the, in the uh, Southampton uh, social media community. I'm becoming way more, I I'm serious. Like I, I DM with like all the fan pages from over in England and they actually get back to me. So, so kudos to those, those Southampton pages. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, maybe I'll have to, maybe I'll have one, to have them. Yeah. Give us a shout out here. or something. Okay. Yeah, I should, I should. I, I mean, I've just kind of really started getting more engaged in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we all have the same opinion and I was talking to you about them. It, it's, it's still embarrassing to me that we weren't in on Billy Gilmore or Connor Gallagher, especially with how good Gallagher has been for Palace so far. It's really frustrating and embarrassing because you didn't have to spend real money. It was a, it would have been a loan, and and maybe Ralph's philosophy and maybe um, Gao's philosophy is they want to actually buy players, they don't want to do loans, but that's a stupid philosophy. Philosophy considering. That at the beginning of the season, a lot of people had you pegged for real relegation battlers. Now, thankfully, they've not looked like that, really. Um, they've just drawn West Ham and City on back-to-back clean sheets in games that they could have won, quite honestly. Uh, Armstrong is starting to get into dangerous areas. He hasn't quite figured out how to finish at the Premier League level yet. It's just you don't, you don't get that extra touch. You don't get that extra half second. So he's not quite there yet. I'd like to see Broha a little bit more, um, especially because he's a big lad and 
uh, Ward Prowse is so good at whipping in balls on set pieces. They, they honestly should have beaten City. They had the better chances. Jack Stevens has to be given a ton of credit because he's been very up and down in his Southampton career. He's been awesome this season. He's, mm-hmm. he's made me not miss Vestergaard at all. Uh, he's, been, he's been awesome. So now they've shored up the defense. They figured that out a little bit with Livermento and Perot. And I, I still would like to see Walker Peters behind Livermento at some point because the biggest issue is still Redmond is so bad. Jenepo is so bad at finishing or making the last pass. Walcott's going to be hurt because he's Theo Walcott. It always happens. It always happens. Uh, Stuart Armstrong, we get Stuart Armstrong back. It'll be interesting to see what they do if they play him more centrally or if they play him out wide. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like Jay Adams for them too. It, the only problem, I think you kind of mentioned it with Armstrong and Adams is the two of them just don't know how to finish. It's that Premier League finishing that they don't have. They're both very talented players. And you just hope they get there. And I think that'll be their biggest issue is getting yeah. that final ball. Yeah, I, I said I said before the season um, to all my, my, my soccer people that to, to avoid relegation, you're going to have to get 20 combined goals between the Southampton strikers. So whether that's Broha, Armstrong, or Che Adams, the three of them combined have to have 20 goals. Because you know Ward-Prowse is going to – pick up four or five, right, mm-hmm. on set pieces probably. The center backs are going to have two-ish probably each. Um, Redmond, in theory, is going to score eventually. Like, you're going to pick up goals here and there. Um, it's just they have to score now. You miss Danny Yang, who's been really, really good for Aston Villa. Like, when he's not scoring, he's assisting. I don't know if you've seen the ball that he's played to Leon Bailey for Bailey's goal. The, they're – Front three has been so much fun to watch. Yeah, well, Leon Bailey got hurt scoring a goal because Leon Bailey. Um, and friend, but yeah, if they if they can get Watkins, Ings, Bailey, and Buendia healthy, oh my! And their issue is going to be that Tyrone Mings has to like how he's made an England team. Mm-hmm. I don't understand. I think he's garbage. I think he's cocky and he's slow and he's lazy. That's how I feel about Tyrone Mings. He's made his whole life being an English center back that's 6'6". Like, that's that's just who he is. But yeah. it was, I think... They love that in England. I mean, really, who? it's him, John Stones, and Harry Maguire. Those are the only, like, competent central defenders you have. So he's kind of re- He kind of reminds me of uh, Chris Smalling in a way, where people will be like, well, Chris Smalling's big. Okay. <laughs> like, let's not forget Phil Jones and Chris Smalling were a United center back pairing for a while. Oh like, my God. I, I could not hate Chris Smalling more. I'm sure he's a nice guy. He seems like a nice guy. I've never heard a bad thing about Chris Smalling off the field or, or as a teammate or anything like that he just sucks. Yeah, he's he's per- honestly, well, he's perfect for Italy because the, the game is so slow there. He's, mm-hmm. he's honestly a perfect, I mean, Benucci and Chiellini have played as long as they have because Italy's slow. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Smalling is pretty perfect for Roma. Are you kidding me? He's perfect for that team, which is uh, – they're cruising, by the way. Oh, uh, yeah, and Timmy Abraham's just had scoring goals for fun. Josie, Mark, like, pe- I think people forget who Josie's the manager now. Yeah. Like, He's probably perfect for Italy too, by the way. That's mm-hmm. the only league where they actually care about not being scored on still. Yeah. He's uh, – hey, hey, I think he's doing well until, you know, he'll piss someone off at some point. He always does. 
he always does. He's, he's, that's, he's, he's the perfect, he's like a John Tortorella. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, damn he's good, good for two or three seasons, but it wears thin quickly. Yeah. So Josh, I want to thank you for joining us. Um, big games care about cup this week. I'm not going to ask your opinion on the third tier cup in England, but do you think Southampton beat Sheffield United? Uh, I honestly could care less. Okay. To be quite honest, I think it sounds like they're going to play. Um, they're going to rotate, which good. Um, they've absolutely slaughtered Newport County in the first round. I would expect Broha to start. I would expect to see Nathan Tella, who, again, the community is not happy that he's not seen the field yet with Redmond continuing to be Nathan Redmond, mm-hmm. the most disappointing signing of all time. Um, that's not true because we've signed Sophie and Buffal and Osvaldo and uh, Alan Nwesi has not done it really yet. Uh, he's looked he's looked better. I mean, just anyways, they could go on and on. Let's not but, forget the free signing of Adam Lallana, right? Or wait, no, you sold him. Sorry, that was Brighton. Never mind. Yeah. You guys time. signed Willian, so. Yeah. I mean, I'm just I'm looking forward to Arsenal's midweek game. They they might have a chance to play the 16 year old. Came from Barcelona, um, signed on a free Charles Pintano Pintano something. Um, don't know how to pronounce his last name. But he's 16. He's supposed to be a wonder. He's practicing with the first team the last two weeks. Hopefully he gets a couple minutes off the bench. Um, that's what I'm looking who, forward to. Who do you have in the cup? Um, oh, I forgot. It's a championship team. Um, okay, you should start the kid then. Go on. You think? Give him a run. See, this is, I mean, this I is have the, no problems. This is the, I want to see a little bit more of this. It's with some of these, Sorry. It's Wimbledon. Some of these bigger themes. I, I, we talked about it last week. The best thing that ever happened to Chelsea was the transfer embargo, right? We said that last week with Cam and Cam agreed as a Chelsea fan because you, you got, you got all these guys who, I mean, you ended up selling Tammy Abraham, which, you know, whatever, you know, take it for you. We've got Roman Lukaku now, so whatever, but you still sold them for big money. You didn't sell them for nothing. You, mm-hmm. you got what 30, you got 35, 40 mil for them. Um, so I think Arsenal and City, and United has had success doing it as well now, right? Greenwood's looked good. Rashford, excuse me, Rashford's obviously been a success. They've not developed a center midfielder since Cleverly and Scholes and those that whole crew. Mm-hmm. Um, Carrick. But... The opportunity's there. It's, you, so, so you, I mean, if you're Arsenal, at some point, the ownership or someone, the general manager of the board or Arteta has to look at it and say, this buying players isn't working. Mm-hmm. It's not working. And it didn't really work for, I mean, Timo Warner gets a bad rap. He had, he had the most goal contribution to the team last year, but you need heart and soul as well as the big names, right? Mm-hmm. So Liverpool has that, right? Liverpool has Trent and I can't Robertson and Henderson mm-hmm. and guys like that who play an important role, but also have pride in the club because that's where they came through. Mm-hmm. And I know Robertson came in a little bit later, but he's been there since he's a young kid. But, you know, Hender- yeah. But Henderson has been there since he was like an infant, basically. Um, and Trent came through and like, and you saw some of their center back, their center backs last year were academy kids, mm-hmm. right? And 
Were they great all the time? No, but they were good enough to get you to where you really realistically needed to be. Um, so I'd like to see, you know, Arsenal and and even City too. I think Arsenal and City are the two big ones who I think are going to be in trouble when the money runs out. The money don't last forever. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I would be concerned as a City and an Arsenal fan that the, they've not really given the academy a chance. Like, can you name the last City Academy player? Uh, start Jaden Sancho. <laughs> yeah, I'm just no, but I know what you mean. It's probably Wait, Foden. I, Foden's probably the only one, but like he's he's a even he. Player. Yeah, so it's Foden, right? And then I don't even I guess Saka for Arsenal, but even they can't find a position for him, right? Yeah, it's, they they're playing him out of position. They play Smith Rowe out of position, and then they drop him for Udegaard. yeah Smith Rowe as well. Yeah, it's and then all of a sudden Bellerin's this decent right back home homegrown basically and no you have and Cedric like, see ya yeah so you get Cedric no but so so that's what I'm saying though like these 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 teams that finished in the top four last year outside of City all have three or four academy players playing regular minutes mm-hmm. right. And so Arsenal, you had Smith Rowe and Saka last year. Although I don't, Saka wasn't really a regular last year, was he? He was as regular. He got injured a lot last year, but he was so, as regular. Yeah. Yeah. But Smith Rowe was your best player last year. Now what? You've spent the money on Odegaard and you've dropped him. Yep. S- Smith Rowe, you are bottom. Your bottom half without Smith Rowe last year, quite honestly, mm-hmm. right? And then Martinelli um, keeps getting called up to all the Brazilian teams, the 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 top team, the under twenty threes, under twenty ones. He doesn't get game time. Like, yeah, which is baffling because your strikers suck. Yeah. They stink. Yeah, that's, this is what I'm talking about. It's like, and I know it's easy for us as, as, as people who are on the outside. Like, we're not training every day. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not reading every single report and every single young player. But, like, we're having this, this conversation with, with Ralph Hussenhuddle at Southampton right now where, where a lot of the times, like, um, Kuman would just play the young players. Like, fuck it, we're playing the young players. Mm-hmm. Um, Hasano, like, we want to see Nathan Teller. He's like, well, he's got to train, and Smalley's got to train, blah, blah, blah. But you've you've thrown Livermento to the Wolves, and he's been brilliant. He's been your best player. Mm-hmm. He's 18, and he's just turned 19. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got to and, – and Salisu, who is still going to – he's going to have his road bumps, right, and he's had his speed bumps this year. Again, he's young on the for center center backs. Usually, they like goalies in hockey, right? They get it's a little bit longer to bring them along. Um, he's 21, 22, and he's been good. Mm-hmm. So, and Benderek, people don't realize how young Jan Benderek is. Only 23, I think. Yeah, um, he's, yeah. he's been good. And so it's like at some point you have to just say to yourself, okay, are we do we are we willing to let these guys develop, but take the lumps that that comes with, and. Or we're just going to spend the money and hope it works. Mm-hmm. And up to this point for City, that's what's worked. It's not worked for Arsenal. It's not really worked for United. They're not really back where they want to be. Now this year, let's see what happens. They've brought in Ronaldo and mm-hmm. they, they've got Green. But it, it worked. It's Chelsea. It works for Chelsea. Yeah. I mean, Chelsea's the, Chelsea should be – and it works for these teams that have no budget at all. And they still stay up year after year. So I, I, I think that's another thing that's frustrated me a little bit. I think you see that. I think you see it a lot more in American sports because we don't really have the academy system 
mm-hmm. like they like they do in in England. They don't they don't have the loan system either, which, I mean, the MLS does, but American sports in general don't. Right where, if you're baseball, oh, don't, get has it, start, don't get me started on the loan system in America and how it could be helpful. Don't I don't yeah because we're we could be here forever. Yeah, but like baseball is really the only thing that has like a, a real true minor league system. Hockey, I guess, a little bit, but really. If you're 18, 19, 20 years, 21, 22, 23, and you're playing NBA basketball or you're drafted into the MLS or you're playing NHL hockey or NFL football, you're starting. You're, you're or at least on the team seeing, seeing game minutes. Mm-hmm. Like the Patriots have rookies and second-year players who are expected to be important players. The Bruins, you're 18 years old, and you're drafting the first round, you're playing. And it you're you some and again, some coaches are better at it than others. Like there's some coaches in the Premier League who are who are, are more willing to do it, like as bad as Lampard maybe was, what he what he was willing to do it, whether by choice or not. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know. It's a little frustrating. I think it's something that every team in England has gone away from a little bit, most recently this season and last season, because they seem to have weathered the pandemic better than the rest of Europe. I don't know if that's because they're not on the Euro or what that really is related to, or if like they don't have crazy tax laws like Spain or yeah. they're just not corrupt like Italy. Like, so I don't, I don't know what that's really tied to, but I think they've all just said effort. We have more money and these other teams need money. So we'll just buy players. It's, Even Germany, like they were like, yeah, we'll just sell players. Yeah. It's, it's a chaotic system that, that the European model has developed into. Um, but I hate to cut it short because I'm sure Josh I know, and I, I could talk it's, all it's night. It's not really short. We've gone over what we normally would do. <laughs> I know, seriously. Hey, but sometimes you just got to let Josh talk, right? So um, thank you all for listening. Click the whole like, subscribe, all those items. Make sure Josh and I uh, and Cam um, can come back next week. Josh, thank you very much for your time. Enjoy your week of football action. And, yeah, uh, and, and I, I would say too, Matt, you know, we have, we have TikTok now, right? Yep. We have Instagram. Do we mm-hmm. have a Twitter? Yeah. All right. So we're going to, and we've been talking about this. I want, I want to get this out there for people. We're going to start posting and we got to get the passwords to each other. So like, if I have a thought, I can just go out there and do it. Mm-hmm. So let's, we got to get on that, but we're going to start posting, you know, instant reactions to stuff we're watching or, you know, a thought pops into my head at 10 o'clock in the morning. Oh, you know what? I thought this today about such and such. For Matt, Josh, Kim, who is busy tonight, we will see you all next week. Enjoy your week of football.